Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun, the author of Press Into the Power. I hope you're enjoying this music that we have. Uh, This song is called Miracle from Sylvia Jones' latest music project, which is available online wherever music is sold or streamed. Or you can reach out to her on her website, www.sylviajones.com, helping you experience God's presence through contemporary worship. Listen, uh, before we get started today, I want to bring you just a quick note from our sponsor, Distinction Inc. Do you need custom t-shirts or hoodies? Look no further than Distinction Inc. From screen printing to embroidery, Distinction Inc. provides high quality apparel and promotional items with stress-free customer service. Distinction Inc. also provides competitive pricing, especially for nonprofit organizations and churches. If you have any upcoming projects, they would love to earn your business and exceed your expectation. You can request a quote by visiting www.distinctioninc.com. Distinction Inc. We deliver results that make you say, wow. All right, let's get ready for the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. Oh, well, well. I hope that you have had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. You and your family, some of you are still gathering into the Thanksgiving weekend. I appreciate you. Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I pray that you are making this your favorite drive time podcast. Make sure that you subscribe. And of course, share this with your networks. Last week, I talked about wannabes. This week, I want to talk about I want to be. There has to be a sense of right and wrong, a standard of excellence, a priority in becoming one whom God uses. Of course, the first priority is salvation making sure that we have turned from our sins, we've turned from our wicked ways, but more than anything, that we've asked God to come into our life and be our Lord and our Savior. The designation of Lord suggests that God is in control, absolute control, absolute authority over our life. The designation of Savior means that God has given us access to to heaven. He's given us access to our heavenly mansion after our work is done. But the point of the matter is, without this designation, without Jesus being both Lord and Savior, and of course, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, it makes it almost impossible for us to turn from our sins. And second of all, it makes it impossible for us to serve God. So there may be some people who have titles. They may be apostles, they may be pastors, they may be have some other leadership designation. But if they do not have Christ, it is all for naught. That's why we have to be careful who we're with and who we are around. We have to make sure that the people who certify us, the people who train us, have A, been certified themselves and been trained themselves. And so 
You just don't want to just pop up and become a minister. I remember my first inclination as I felt I had already gotten saved. I went to my pastor and I asked my pastor. Um, I told him that I, I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to, to preach the gospel. And I never forget it. And I asked him, where do I sit? And he looked in the corner. He said, there's a mop over there in the corner. There's a leak in the toilet in the men's room. Go mop that up. I never forget. Now, let me say, let me be real. I was insulted. I was embarrassed. I thought he was trying to be funny. But as I grew older and began to really deeply entrench myself into the gospels of Jesus Christ, I began to discover that whether you were a deacon, which means servant, whether you were a minister, which means servant, whether you were anyone who did any service in the kingdom of God, service was the first and greatest attribute of our Savior. The first apostle, the first bishop, the first, the first. He is preeminent over all things. Jesus Christ, preeminent over all things. First in all things. First in all things. So we have to be very, very careful to then look at his life, look at his legacy, and begin to follow a pattern. And one of the things that was very, very significant to me is when Jesus knowing that he's going to be arrested, knowing that he's going to be flogged, knowing that he's going to be ridiculed, knowing that he's going to be talked about, knowing that everybody's going to forsake him, knowing that he's going to be all alone on that cross, after dinner, took a towel, girded himself, and washed the disciples' feet, and said, remember this and do this as an example of what I am all about. Now, of course, that's paraphrasing, but the point of the matter is, he washed the disciples feet because he wanted to demonstrate not foot washing services but he wanted to and there's nothing wrong with it if you do it as long as you do it in the right context but he did it in order to demonstrate that we are first servants before he named them apostles they were first servants when he was training them he was teaching them how to serve their community, how to love people, how to have compassion on people, how to care for people, how to set the captives free. Jesus was a servant. He came into the earth not to be served, but to serve us, to teach us how to serve others. And so I want to be crystal clear that the scripture declares that he who is servant is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we need to understand that. If you want to be great, everybody wants to be great. But most people only want to be great in the earth. A true apostle understands that nothing is about being great in the earth. It's about being great with God. Everything that an apostle does, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but everything that an apostle does has eternal significance eternal significance it should have implications that reach the heavens and so while we're living our lives 
if your, listen to this, best life doesn't have eternal significance, then you might want to re-examine what you're doing. If you're serving in church without the mindset of eternal significance, then you might want to sit down for a season and reread the scripture, the kerygma, so that we can get an understanding of what ministry is all about. We are not getting saved to go from the pew to the pulpit. That is not the goal because you can be a witness. You can propagate the gospel, teach the gospel, share the gospel without being a pastor. A matter of fact, there are too many people who think that because you can preach and draw a crowd, that that makes you a pastor. That makes you a great preacher, but that doesn't make you a pastor. So pastors in their true role, we are shepherds, servants of the sheep. We serve people. We love people. We plot courses that we call vision and we cast it amongst the people so that we can take them to greener pastures in Christ. We're not trying to have big services. We're not trying to have uh, the best this and the best that. We're trying to teach people how to be obedient to the will of God because a true servant is a servant when they're submitted when they're submitted to God and we're walking in obedience, then the blessings begin to flow in our life. It's not just sowing seed, but it's walking in obedience. True obedience will reap the favor of God, will reap significant eternal benefits of grace extraordinaire. I don't have time to go into that today, but there is grace and then there's grace. To every man is given a measure of grace. But how much grace do you need? God's not going to give you more than you. He does not waste his grace. I'm, I'm going to stop there and let you think about that. So let's make sure that whatever we're doing in the kingdom, whether it's Sunday school teacher or, or just a teacher or whether we're a teacher in the community, whether we're pastoring, whether we're minister on staff, on staff, submitted to to the leader on staff you are not in control you are not to usurp authority you are not to go around pretending to be something that you are not you are listen minister servant on staff servant on staff that's what we are and we're not waiting to preach we should preach every day preach in the workplace preach at home, preach in uh, uh, any community environment that you get an opportunity to release the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I say preach, you can talk and propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not preaching is just a way that we share the gospel, but you can talk the gospel. You can share the gospel. You can love the gospel. They will know you by their love. We know Christ. Our encounter with Christ was predicated on his love for us. That's why the scripture says, love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
In this you fulfill the law and the prophets. This is what we are mandated to do. This is the core of the gospel. This is the core of our salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the core. We were drawn. How were we drawn to God? We were drawn by loving kindness. We didn't first love God. God first loved us. So let's make sure our gospel, our ministry, our towels, ministry titles, towels over titles, servants over status. Make sure that we are undergirded by the eternal mandate of love, loving everyone. So when we're praying in the Middle East, we're not just praying for the Palestinians. We're not just praying for the Jews. It is a platonic equation of both. And we are praying for the Palestinians. We are praying for the Jews. We are praying for everyone, every nation, every tongue. We are praying for them. We are intercessors and intercessors don't have any favorites. Amen. We pray for all men that all men might be saved. All right. So I, I want to take a quick look at the apostle and I want you to understand something. And I think Paul capsulizes a deep understanding of what it means to be an apostle because there, again, a prolifer proliferation of bishops and a proliferation of apostles and Pat, everybody's got a title, but does everybody actually know what you're doing? Do you really understand what this thing about? Let's look at the apostle. And there's something that Paul and the disciples had in common. So watch this. This letter, I'm reading from Galatians chapter 1, just two verses. Watch this. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. Watch his language. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Are you, are you listening to that? I'm not even going to read verse two. He was appointed not by men or any group of men or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself. So in the ninth chapter of Acts, when Paul is knocked off the horse and he's, uh, he's blind, his servant, they hear from God. The servant doesn't hear, but Paul hears. He knows he's talking to Jesus. He has to go to Arabia. His eyes were then uh, uncovered. But let me say this, Paul then leaves Arabia and goes to Damascus for three years. Notice the similarity. The disciples, before they became apostles, were trained for three years. So Paul spent time in the Gospels or there was no gospels back then, but he spent time with God in Damascus so that God could reshape his theology, his mindset, his understanding, and give him a designation that would have eternal significance. The writing of the letters to the churches, I believe it was 13 letters that Paul wrote, have eternal significance. They were written centuries ago, and yet centuries later, we're still reading them. They have eternal significance. Something else that all apostles have in common. Apostles know 
that they are at least designated in a very real way to die to the will of their flesh. And many of them died physical deaths of horrific nature because they understood that to be a disruptor, to be an apostle, you would disrupt governments, you would disrupt military structures, you would disrupt traditions, you would disrupt continuity of cultures because the gospel changes the way people think and the way people do business and the way people treat each other and the way they serve each other and the gospel is infectious so much so that it can change the culture of an entire organization if propagated properly. And so being an apostle is not just having a title, but it's having an understanding, a deeper understanding of the eternal significance of the gospel and the life that an apostle lives. Luke in Acts 1 chronicles, specifically chronicles, the teachings of Jesus, who I, of course, the first apostle has to be Jesus. We should only, we should only teach us moved by the Holy Spirit. You're not trying to impress people. You're trying to be moved. You're trying to walk with. You're trying to abide in. He's trying to, you are open to him abiding in you. Without him, we can do nothing. We need the Holy Spirit to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to move in the Holy Spirit and be moved by the Holy Spirit. Apostles are chosen and trained by God himself. Watch this. Until the day in which I'm reading uh, Acts 2, Acts 1, verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, we're talking about Jesus, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he chose. Even Jesus moved with the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus moved with the Holy Spirit, how can we do anything less? And before he left, the Bible declares in verse 3 that during 40 days, he spoke to them about things, spoke to the apostles about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. His last words, his last teachings were about the kingdom of God. That's what we need to understand. It wasn't about church. It wasn't about choir robes. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about votes. It wasn't about uh, how big the church is going to be. It had nothing to do with that. God determines the size of a church, but the size of a church is not important. What's relevant is the impact that the church has in its community. Does your church have an impact in the community? Would people miss your church if it was no longer around? Think about that. I know that in my future, I'm going to be covering more churches than I cover right now. And I'm thinking very systemically about what it is that people need to understand what it is. So if you're thinking with me right now, describe your church. What are the attributes of your church? What does the moniker on the building have to do with what you do inside your church? A name, a designation means something and should have fruit based on its designation. What is your church infrastructure or polity? Explain your onboarding or new members process and how often is this done in a 12 month period? 
What is the vision of the church? How do you cast this vision? How often do you vision cast? What is your community footprint? And I could go on and on and on. It's a series of questions that determine the health of your church. Because the health of your church needs to be in such a way that it is in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ and that it has eternal significance. Remember, eternal significance. That's what we're all about. What we do and how we sing and how we praise and how we serve has implications that reach all the way to heaven. We are not trying to be men pleasers. We are trying to be bond servants. And we're trying to make sure that people understand what it means to serve the Christ. You have been listening to the Kingdom Influency Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I pray today that you will go and influence the nations. God bless.